0: So, it is a new year, as of course you all know, and I sort of already mentioned that this was a little bit where we were going to go with the sermon today, focusing on this idea of, well, it's a new year, it's 2021, we're sort of turning the page on 2020, moving into 2021, and this is naturally a season, and I'm even thinking not just sort of within the church, but even outside of the church, this is sort of a season when people make their New Year's resolutions. It's sort of naturally a time for that as you're ending one year, starting another year, sort of as you view this passage of time, it's naturally a time, again, even outside of the church, to sort of take stock of things and sort of take stock of oneself and sort of say... You know, where am I falling short? What are my shortcomings? Where do I need to grow? And so people make their New Year's resolutions. The year lays before them and they sort of say, I want this to be an even better year. I want to grow in this year in whatever way that might be. Maybe that's, you know, I'm going to give up smoking finally, or maybe it's I'm going to exercise more. I've always wanted to do that and, and take that seriously and take my health seriously. Uh, But, you know, I've never really quite done it. And this year, this is going to be the year I'm really going to do it. Or maybe it's the common, you know, I I just got to lose, you know, maybe like 10 pounds or something. And that's my New Year's resolution. Lose a little bit of that weight that I put on, maybe with Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that. Uh, Often they can be sort of superficial, not to say bad things, but maybe it's about weight or exercise and whatnot. Not bad things, but maybe not the deepest things. But but nonetheless, even outside of the walls of the church, this time of sort of ending one year, starting a new year is this time of taking stock, looking to the year that, that lays before one and saying, I don't want this just to be like any old year. I don't want this just to be like last year. There are ways I want to look in, in, at this year and, and grow and see improvement in the, the year that's, that's now begun in 2021. And I want us to sort of have that same mindset. This is something that's not intrinsically Christian. As I mentioned, there are people outside the church who do their New Year's resolutions, but still this idea of sort of taking stock of oneself and saying, hey, there are areas where where I, I need to grow. I sort of fall short. You know, I have those areas of my in my life where, hey, there's sin still in my life and I need to grow in those areas. As Christians, we should naturally do that and say, you know, I, I want to grow. I don't want to do those same things anymore. I see my my sin in my life. I see my shortcomings. I see my failures. And hey, I want this new year to be a year of growth. I don't want to keep doing those same sinful things, but I want to grow and mature in the faith. I want to obey the Lord more. I want to be more faithful to him. And so this is a season that, that is natural for Christians as well to sort of make their Christian New Year's resolutions. Not not to say that you can only do this at the New Year. This is something that certainly we should be doing at all times, where we're just sort of periodically, just sort of taking stock of things and and honestly doing some soul searching and, and taking a look at ourselves and saying you know where do I fall short? Where, where does that sin sort of still remain within me? Where where am I still living sort of like the old me before I knew the Lord? You know, what areas of my life is that a reality? And, and therefore, where do I need to grow? What things in my life do I sort of need to be rid of? What sins and just grow and, and mature in the faith? And that's something we should be doing at all times. But again, the end of one year, the start of a new, as we sort of mark the passage of time, it's, it's all the more so sort of naturally a time in a season to do that. And this is what I want us to do. This is sort of ultimately where we're going to go, is I want to challenge us to make our Christian New Year's resolutions for 2021. But before we sort of get to our the end game and our application, I want to take a look at Scripture here. And I want to look at Colossians chapter 3. You can flip open your Bibles there, turn there. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And this is a passage that really ties in with this idea of a Christian New Year's resolution. Uh, The idea here is fundamentally all about recognizing that, and we're going to see this, we'll talk about it as we dig in here, but recognizing the reality that, that we're a new creation in Christ. The old you, the old me, the old Steve, he's gone. He's dead and gone. He is no more. So, hey, I can't live the way I used to. I can't live like old Steve, because Steve is no more old Steve. There's now a new Steve. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've put on the new me, and therefore I need to live in light of the new me. I need to live this godly, obedient, upright life in service to the Lord. I can't keep living in sin the way I used to live in. And so that's like sort of the, the core theme, the core idea of this passage that that thoroughly ties in with this idea of a Christian New Year's resolution, acknowledging, you know, hey, we're not the same person we used to be, so we can't be that guy. But the reality is, that all too often we sort of still want to live like the old us. There's still those areas where the old Steve or the old you sort of still wants to hang around and sort of, it's a natural time to take stock, look at those areas where I'm the old Steve and say, no, I, I can't be that old version of me anymore. I need to put on the new me, live in light of the new me that I am in Christ And so that's what we're going to take a look at here in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And I'll read it for us, and we'll sort of march our way through verse by verse. You know, and we'll pick it apart as we go through, and then we'll kind of come back big picture here. So, starting at verse 1, Paul writing here to the Colossian church, and here's what he says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above. And I want to start there just with the first part there. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Uh, I sort of talked about this a little bit, sort of introing this this passage here. But what he's saying here is you've been raised to new life in Christ. You're not the same you. He fleshes this out a little bit more as we get further on into this passage, and we'll talk about this. But he's saying you've been raised to new life in Christ. So you're not the old Steve or the old, you know, put in your name. You're not the old you. You've been raised to new life in Christ. And so he says, therefore, right, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We should be setting our minds on on things above, on heavenly things, on godly things, that which is noble and pure and good and upright, rather than setting our minds on the worldly things, the fleshly things. That's what we used to do before we knew the Lord, right? Before we were a new creation in Christ, when we were the old version of us, That's what we did. We set our minds on worldly, fleshly things, and we pursued those things. But Paul's saying, no, but but you're not the old you anymore. You've been raised with Christ. You have new life in Christ. So set your hearts on on new things, the things above, heavenly things, spiritual things, godly things. And he goes on, verse 2. He's reiterating this here. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, just as I said, right? You're not the old fleshly, earthly you anymore. So don't set your minds on those things. But now you're a new creation. There's a new you in Christ. So set your minds on those wondrous, heavenly, spiritual, godly things. And he goes on, verse 3, for you died. Right Now, of course, physically speaking, he's not saying they've died. Right, They're still alive. He's writing to them. They will die one day. But, but he's talking about you've died in the sense of the old you is no more. Right? The old version of you before you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, he's gone. You're not that person anymore. So he says, you've died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear, then you also will appear with him in glory. So you died, old you, dead and gone. There's a new you. You've been raised to new life in Christ. And he goes on here, when Christ, who is your life, appears, he's talking about when Christ returns, the second coming. When Christ returns, Christ, who is your life, he's the source of our new life, right? It's in him. When he appears right? When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory saying fundamentally when Christ returns, you're going to be raised from the dead on that day. When he comes and he'll, he'll come in great glory. You'll be raised from the dead. You'll receive your wondrous, glorious new creation body, just as Christ our Lord already has. so that's what he's speaking of there. And then he goes on verse five here. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he gives us some examples here. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, right? So again, having this idea that, right, the old you, he's dead and gone. There's now a new you, a new you in Christ. Therefore, if the old you's gone, then put to death whatever belongs to the old you, right, to your earthly nature, everything that belonged to that old version of you, all that fleshly sinful stuff that you indulged in, that you delighted in, that old way of thinking, that old way of acting. He says, be done with it. That you is gone, so you can't live like the old you. Put it to death. Be done with it. There's a reality that even though we're a new creation in Christ, that old sinful stuff still has a way of wanting to kind of hang around a bit. At times, we still sort of want to live in those same sins that we used to live in way back when. And he's saying, no, that you is gone, and the way that you used to operate and behave and think and act, that needs to be gone as well. So put it to death. Be done with it. Don't live like that anymore. And he gives us some examples, as I said, whether that's sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on, of course. He goes on, verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, right? He's saying this, this is what used to characterize you guys before you came to know Christ. This is what you were like, that sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry, and on and on. You could list all the different sins you can think of. He's saying, right, you used to walk in these ways. This is, this is the way you used to operate before you came to know Christ, but you have come to know Christ You're made new in Christ, you're a new creation in him, and so the old you is dead and gone, so you can't live that way anymore. And he says that, verse 8, but now you must also rid yourselves of of all such things as these. And now he's going to list some more of these things that are part of the old us, that old sinful self. And he lists them, he says, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Right. Rid yourselves of all such things as these. He says and he goes on do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator and here he's using the imagery of clothing. That, that's sort of the language that he's taking up here. And he's saying, you, you've taken off, thinking the, the, the imagery of sort of taking off, the metaphor of taking off clothing. He's saying, you've taken off your old self. You've already done that. The old you, he's dead, he's gone. You've taken him off. You've sort of disrobed that, that old self with its practices and in its place, right? He says, and you have put on the new self. So again, reiterating this idea of you're not who you used to be right? The old you, he's gone, he's dead, there's a new you, and that means the old practices need to be gone as well, and there ought to be new practices, that new way of living that is in keeping with the new you, and that means godly living, upright, righteous living. And he says here, speaking of the new self, he says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, And here he explains a little bit further, he says, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And here the idea is that this new self, this new you, is undergoing this renewal, and it's renewal in regard to knowledge. Now here the knowledge, certainly it speaks to head knowledge, but it goes deeper than that. You're being renewed, yes, in regard to knowledge in the sense of uh, knowledge of God, but, but certainly going further than that and speaking to sort of knowledge of godliness as well. And so he's saying, you, the, the new version of you, is gaining a greater and greater knowledge of who God is, ever increasingly, and, and what godliness and righteousness looks like. You've come to learn and are increasingly learning what's right and what's wrong, in a sense. You know, in your former way of living, the old you, he, he just had sort of no knowledge. He was far from the Lord, had no knowledge of God, or, or little knowledge of God, and little knowledge of what was right, what was wrong, and so forth. Yet there, there is certainly some lingering sense, even after the fall of a sense of right and wrong. But, but nonetheless, now this new version of you is being, is being renewed and gaining this increasing knowledge of God, who he is, and of course what is right, what is wrong, and what honors God, gaining a greater sense of godliness. But there's more than just a sense of head knowledge, but also going deeper than that, sort of a typical sort of Jewish sense of the word knowledge, of sort of a, a deeper sense to it, sort of experiential sense of not only are you gaining the head knowledge of sort of what is godliness and righteousness, but there's also a greater living out of that righteousness and godliness as well in life. And so there's, yes, a renewal of the mind, but it sort of sinks deeper than that. And it's a renewal of the whole new self ever increasingly. In a sense, what he's saying is we're being molded ever increasingly more and more into the image of Christ. And he even says that, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image or after the image or according to the image of its creator. That is, we're being made more and more righteous and godly, not not just understanding it, but actually living out more and more what godliness and righteousness is in a way that makes us molded more and more into the image of God, our creator. We're reflecting ever increasingly his righteous character as we are being renewed is what's being said there. So then going on, he says, verse 11, here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And there he's certainly speaking to the unity that we have as a body of believers in Christ those things that sort of once might have caused division. Well, you know, on the one hand, there are the Jews and there are the Gentiles or this slave or free, or, you know, you could think of any sort of identity marker that then there might, you know, arising from that be some sort of division. And he's saying, well, of course, there is still that reality of diversity, right? There are men and women and slave and free and black and white and Jew and Gentile. But, but it's a beautiful diversity where that diversity of different things there is now brought together and united made one, one body in Christ. And so it's a wonderful thing. There isn't this diversity that causes division, but rather there's this wondrous unity that comes about. And yet still there's a beauty of diversity within that unity of the body of Christ. And he goes on, verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy And dearly loved. And I want to pause there before I even get to the command, the imperative here, which is to clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I just want to pause on and focus on the beginning there. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. This is something that should just give us a sense of amazement and just great joy. We should be rejoicing in this fact. We are God's chosen people, holy and and dearly loved. That is what we are, and that's cause for great joy, great celebration, and great thanksgiving to God, that that is what we are unto him, his people, his chosen people, who are holy and dearly loved by him. But now what are we told to do? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Again, here's still the language of of sort of clothing, right? Whether it's taking off the old self, clothing-wise, using that imagery metaphor, putting on The new self, here he continues with sort of this clothing language here. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is all the stuff that naturally ought to go with the new version of us. The new us that we are, the new person we are, the new creation we are in Christ. This is what naturally goes with this, right? This is how we ought to be living. Not like the old version of us, but in this way. Living out these qualities, these characteristics of compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And he goes on, bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, right? So we should be living out this compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. We should be bearing with one another. If someone wrongs us, we should be extending forgiveness just as as we've been forgiven by God. This is what living in light of the new us, the new self, the new creation that we are in Christ. That's what it looks like. And he goes on. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is this chief and and fundamental unifying quality that Paul wants to speak to here And it is love this is what we ought to look like if we're living in light of the new self the new creation that we are in christ well then we're going to be living out love day in and day out and he goes on verse 15 let the peace of christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace right the peace of christ should be ruling in our hearts and here the sort of two senses of, of the peace of christ first yes christ brings peace between god and man we have peace with God because of Christ in him. And so we should be experiencing that wondrous peace. There should be a peace deeply within our souls knowing, hey, I've been reconciled to God, right? I've been made right with him and, and we should just be experiencing that wondrous peace that we have with God. But he also has in mind here this peace that also comes from Christ, which is the sense of now we have this, this body of believers, right? And he talked about this earlier in, in verse 11. Yes, you have some Jews, you have some Gentile believers circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, right? He talks about, yeah, there's all, all that diversity there, but, but here's what he speaks of in, in this, this passage here, right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. There is now, where there was once division because of those distinctions, Jew and Gentile, slave, free, there was once division arising from that, Now there's, in Christ, a unity. Those people who are once divided at odds have been brought together as one body, and now there's peace between them. And So he's not just talking here about peace between man and God. That's part of it, and we ought to be letting that peace of Christ dwell within us. But he's also talking about a peace that comes about within the body of Christ here, that you have people who, before coming to faith in Christ, were not at peace with one another, they were at odds with one another, they viewed their, their differences as things that set them apart from one another, And of course, they still have those differences, but now they're not things that divide. Now there's a wondrous unity and peace that is brought about as they are brought together, as they're united with Christ, they are then, as they're united with Christ, united with one another and made one unified body in which there's true peace and wholeness rather than division. That's what he's speaking of. So yes, peace between God and man, but also peace between all of us. And so that's what he's saying there. In that verse, in verse 14, as he talks about, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And so that peace should be present within the body of Christ. It should be ruling in our hearts. And he goes on, and be thankful. That's something that certainly, as we think of the the new creation that we are in Christ, we should be exhibiting this thankfulness. He goes on, verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And here, certainly at the heart of it is the idea of the gospel, but I'd say also in view of sort of the whole of God's word, all of God's word, all of that wondrous truth should just be dwelling among us richly. We should be deeply rooted in God's word and certainly in particular the heart of the gospel message as he says here, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And then it closes with this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Right again, looking at what does it look like living in light of this new creation that we are in Christ in light of the new us? Well, it looks like doing it all, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus as his servants, just serving him, honoring him, doing everything for him in his name. So fundamentally, as we look at this passage, verses 1 through through 17, if we sort of look big picture, the, the theme that runs throughout is this idea that Paul's talking about, that we're a new creation in Christ. We're not who we used to be. The old Steve, the old you, he's dead, he's gone, we've taken him off, and we've put on the new self. And what that means is we can't live like the old version of us. If the old version of us, if he's dead and gone, we can't live that way anymore, but now we need to live in a new way in light of the new version of us, the new creation that we are in Christ. And that's living in a godly and obedient and faithful way, living in in uprightness and godliness, holiness. That's what it looks like. And this thoroughly ties in with this idea of a New Year's resolution. right? This is a time, as I mentioned, sort of of taking stock. And as we think of this passage that we just read, it's a time for us as believers to take stock and say, where am I still sort of clinging to the old me? That that old sinful version of me. Where, where is that guy just sort of still hanging around in my life? What sin is still present? Maybe it's an anger with issue, an issue with anger where you just sort of flare up and and, and get enraged all too easily. Maybe it's you know I'm just not being as good of a husband or a wife as I ought to be, or as good of a father or mother. Maybe it's, you know, I I just not loving people the way I ought to The the person who lives up the street or the guy whose cubicles right next to mine. I just haven't been loving that person. I haven't been caring about them. Maybe it's, you know, if I'm honest with myself. I'm just a judgmental person and I shouldn't be, or I'm someone who struggles to, to really extend forgiveness. When, when someone wrongs me, I hold on to that. I keep that anger and that bitterness and it just grows and it, and it festers and it takes root, right? Maybe it's something entirely different. It could be something else, right? Maybe it's sort of an issue with lust and wandering eyes or, or whatever it might be. Right? To to take stock of ourselves and and look and say, where is that old version of me that Paul's talking about? He's dead and gone. I'm not that guy anymore. but, But those practices have a way of hanging around a bit. And where in my life are those practices still hanging around? and then resolving, making this Christian New Year's resolution to be done with that, those old practices, those practices of the old version of yourself, to say, I'm not going to live in that way anymore, but rather I'm going to be done with that, and I'm going to live in that area, whatever it might be, issues with, you know, not being the spouse you should be, or love, or you name it, anger, forgiveness, failing to forgive, whatever it might be, in that area saying, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sin in that way anymore, but in that area, I'm going to live in light of the new me, the new creation that I am, and live faithfully and obediently unto the Lord. And ultimately, if we're going to make this new year's, this Christian new year's resolution and sort of take this challenge and say, we really want to take this seriously. We really want to do it. We need to recognize that we're not fundamentally going to change ourselves. We need to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't sort of have this mindset of, all right, I'm, I'm just gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps. If I just, I make this resolution, I, I'll just sort of think about where do I struggle, and then I'll, I'll make a resolution to be done with that, that sin in my life. And then if I just apply myself hard enough, if I just work hard enough at it and, and, and sort of strive with all that I am, surely I'll change myself on the inside, and then I'll, I'll sort of have victory over this sin in my life. That's just not the reality of how it works. We need the Holy Spirit to bring transformation deeply within us. That doesn't mean that we don't strive and put effort in. I don't mean that. But fundamentally, it's the Holy Spirit who's going to bring the change from the inside out. And so as we think of making this Christian New Year's resolution, saying, I want to be done with the old me, right? He's dead. He's gone. And so I can't live like that anymore. I want to be done with those practices and live in light of the new. We need to recognize, I can't do this on my own. And as we do it, we need to do it prayerfully, coming before the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, you do the work that you do in my heart. Just bring that wondrous transformation. Change me on the inside. That, that's the fundamental problem is, is my heart. this sin within my heart. I have a heart problem, a heart condition. And this sin there, and I can't change that. Holy Spirit, just do a work within me. Do spiritual heart surgery within me. Bring about change and transformation in this area of my, my life. And enable me to be rid of the practices of, of that old version of me and live in light of the new. And so I want us get giving a specific challenge later today or you know if you have plans for later today you can do it tomorrow it doesn't have to be after service right after today but take some time really just to to do some soul searching to to really be honest with yourself cuz that's the starting point before you even say I'm going to make a resolution you need to search yourself and really uh, be honest with yourself and, and do this prayerfully too, asking God just to open up your eyes to areas of, of sin in your life. Because sometimes sometimes we know our sins and, and we're aware of them and maybe we know the glaring ones that sort of stand out, but sometimes we can be all too blind to our sin. It's just sort of who we are and who we've been for so long that we don't even think all that much of it and we really need God to open up our eyes to it. So, so I want us to start by just taking time Later today, or as I said, if you're going to do it sometime later in the week, that's fine. But just to be in prayer and really do some soul searching and take a look. And again, be honest with yourself and say, what are my struggles? And God, just show me them. Open them up. Open my eyes up to them. Uh, Show me where I'm still living in the practices of my old self. And as you think about it, as you ponder it, as you pray about it, as God sort of opens your eyes to those things even if you pick just one. I mean, if you want to tackle more than one, by all means go, but I'll just even aim for one. Just pick one thing, one area in your life where you're still living in those old sinful practices and resolve in the power of the Holy Spirit to be rid of that and instead to live in light of the new self. And if we really do this, think of it, first of all, just on the personal level of if you do this or if I do this, we're going to grow spiritually this year as we think of 2021 it's not going to be a year of living in the same sin that we lived in last year in 2020 and probably the year before in 2019 and before that 18 17 you can go back but it's going to be a year of spiritual growth where, in whatever areas you're resolving to grow and, and, and change and be transformed, it's going to be wondrous spiritual growth. We're going to be honoring and glorifying God more in our lives. There's going to be blessing from God that comes from that faithfulness, that increasing faithfulness to Him. But then I even sort of want to increase the scale and say, what if it's not just you doing it but each and every one of us saying we're going to take this seriously here in 2021 as we're sort of we've just entered into this new year to say we're each and every one of us all throughout this church new hope chapel we're all going to take this seriously we're all going to take a look at our lives honestly we're all going to going to make christian resolutions new year's resolutions to be done with certain sin in our lives this year and to, to, of course, do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing he's going to be the one to bring that change. And if we all do that, and if God then brings wondrous transformation in the lives of each and every one of us, right, the impact is going to be huge. It's, it's not just going to be on the scale of one individual, but, but church-wide, where there's just going to be wondrous spiritual growth in our midst. God's going to be glorified all the more as as a collective body. We are drawing near to him. We're living lives of faithfulness to him. And as we're living Christ-like lives all the more, we're going to be all the more of a powerful witness to the world. And as we're doing it, not just as individuals, but collectively as a church. And so I want to see us, each and every one of us, collectively as a church, to take this seriously. Really take stock of ourselves and make those Christian New Year's resolutions in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, no one will be blessed, but most importantly, for God, for his glory and service to him. Amen. And let's pray. Lord God, it is a new year. We're just a few days into 2021, and it is naturally a time to take stock, to look back, At the prior year and look at how we've maybe fallen short take stock of ourselves see the areas in which we're still living in the practices of the old self and then look to the new year that we've just begun and say i don't want to do that this year i want this year to be different i want to see growth i want to mature in the faith i want to be more faithful to you and obedient to you lord may we each and every one of us really take the time to take stock of ourselves and really be honest and and do it prayerfully. Open up our eyes to sin in our lives, and may we truly resolve in your power, Holy Spirit, to be done done with it, to be rid of it, to live in light of the new self, the new creation we are in you, Lord Jesus. And may you just work mightily as we make those resolutions. May you bring transformation in our lives and our hearts, Holy Spirit, May we mature in the faith, may we honor and glorify you more in our lives, Lord. May you bless us for our increased faithfulness. May we be better witnesses for you as we go about our daily lives, as we're living all the more Christ-like lives. May it ultimately all be for you. And as you do this, not just in one life, but in the lives of each and every one of us here, Lord, may you just do a great and wondrous widespread work in our midst, growing us and maturing us for you and your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.